Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number four of the Property Magic Podcast in which I'm going to share with you how to pull together your personal power team to help you with your property investments. Also, I'm going to teach you the very best question to ask when networking to help you find the right power team members. But first of all, let's consider who should be in your power team and why do you actually need a good power team in the first place? So when I purchased my first investment property back in 1995, I knew nothing about property investing. I found a property that I wanted to buy through a local estate agent. And when I went into the agent, they said, right, who's your mortgage broker? And I said, "Um, I don't have one. And they said, would you like to use ours? So I said, well, yeah, that would be great. And they said, what about a solicitor? Uh, I don't have one. Would you like to use ours? Uh, Yeah, that would be great. So my very first purchase, I was kind of given a mortgage broker and a solicitor. Now, to be fair, I didn't know any different. But at the time, I wanted to buy the house and it seemed like a great solution. However, what I learned was actually sometimes the mortgage brokers that work with estate agents, sometimes they're not fully independent. Sometimes they have a limited number of mortgage companies and lenders they work with. And in fact, I was put into a mortgage that was a five-year discounted mortgage, but it had a six-year early redemption penalty. So in other words, if I paid it off and went to someone else within six years, I would have to pay a huge penalty. So it wasn't really a great mortgage. And I didn't know any better. So really, you need to get the right power team around you. So when it came to my second house purchase in 1997, when I was thinking about buying another house, I spoke to my bank manager and he said to me, hey, would you like me to get one of our top financial advisors from the Midlands region to come and speak to you? I said, well, that'd be great. So we set an appointment and this guy, Kevin, who was a really nice guy, came round and sat down with me in the living room in my first home and I talked about what I wanted to do. Now, at the time, I didn't have any life insurance. I didn't have a pension. So Kevin was great at sorting all of those out for me. And then when it came to the mortgage, I explained what I wanted to do. And I said, Kevin, so I want to buy another house a little bit closer to Cadbury's. I walk to work every day and I don't really want to live in the student area anymore. So Kevin said, yeah, no problem. And he said, how much is this house worth? What's the mortgage? How much savings do you have? And basically with the money that I'd saved in my bank account because I wasn't spending all my salary because I was living for free because I had tenants, my friends renting rooms for me so it pretty much covered the cost of the mortgage and all the bills. So I wasn't spending all my salary and I had a part-time business running student nightclub events in Birmingham. That was a good fun business to have. So I had this money in my business bank account and he said, well, with the, the money you've got there and with the the equity in this property, if you sell this, you won't have to get a very big mortgage to buy your next house. Now, that's what most people do. They sell one house in order to give them a deposit to buy the next one. And then I said, no, no, Kevin, I don't want to do that. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what I want to do, Kevin, is I want to hold on to this house 
because I think I can rent it to students. Just down the road is Birmingham University, and that's where I went, and this whole area is full of students. And then I'm going to go and buy another property to live in myself, and my friends are going to come with me, and they're going to rent out the rooms, and I'll probably live for free in that house as well. Now, Kevin, he was a really smart guy, and you could tell because he had those kind of half-moon glasses that professors and teachers have. And he looked at me and said, so hang on a minute, Simon, you want to go and buy another property, but you don't want to sell this one. You're going to rent this to students at Birmingham University? And I said, yes. And then Kevin looked at me and he kind of looked down his nose and over his glasses for what seemed like ever. It was probably only 20 seconds. But he then took his glasses off as he was in mid thought, and he said, that sounds awfully risky to me. Now, you've got to bear in mind that I was only, what, 26 at this time. And this was a guy who was probably his mid-40s. He was the top financial advisor for the Lloyds Bank Group in the Midlands. And he's telling me this is a really risky thing to do. And the reason I mention this is because if you want to invest in property, you might have family, friends, or even professional advisors around you who say, oh, do you really want to do that? And this is really dangerous because sometimes we listen to people who've got an opinion and everyone's got an opinion, but they may not actually be qualified in their experience. And in this case, Kevin didn't have any investment properties himself and he was very cautious and risk adverse. And yes, there are risks renting properties out. And this was back in the end of 1997 and not as many people knew about property investing. Buy-to-let mortgages were only just coming out. So it really wasn't like it is today. But this financial advisor was saying to me, do you really want to do this? And to be honest, it got me a bit spooked. I had a restless night that night thinking, well, am I doing the right thing? Maybe I should just buy another house and have a nice low mortgage. And Kevin explained why that was a good thing to do. But I thought, no, you know what? I've I've met my student landlord. I think that inspired me. And I know he's got 100 houses. And I thought, wouldn't it be good if I could have just a few more houses as well? So although I had no property background, no experience, I thought buying another house and renting out my first house was probably a really good thing to do. So I called Kevin up and said, now, Kevin, thanks for your advice, but actually I do want to buy another house. So Kevin said, yeah, sure, we can help you. And he told me all about the mortgages that he had access to that were the ones in Lloyd's and Scottish Widows and Legal and General and all those kind of groups within the companies within the Lloyd's group. And I obviously took out a mortgage in the end with one of those. I think it was C&G, Cheltenham and Gloucester, I think. But here's the point. Kevin, although he was a lovely guy, didn't invest in property. He wasn't an expert and he was sharing his advice based on his knowledge and his expertise. And I guess the point I'm trying to get across here is you've got to be very careful who you listen to. Because if you've listened to the wrong people, quite often they will put you off your property investing. And a mistake that many amateurs make is they do go to their bank and they ask them about releasing equity to invest in property or getting buy to let mortgages. And the reality is that most high street banks are not the right people for buy to let mortgages. Instead, you want to go to specialist lenders who have been set up specifically to lend to people like you, to property investors, for you to buy property. And so you can contact some of them direct, but many of them only work through brokers. So really, 
the first person in your power team needs to be a specialist mortgage broker, someone who's independent, that means not tied to any particular bank or lender, and so they've got access to the entire mortgage market, someone who specializes in buy-to-let mortgages, they do that day in, day out, and ideally, someone who is an investor themselves. If they are an investor, they'll understand much better what you're trying to do. And that kind of really goes for all of your power team, really. Now, that's not always possible, but where you can, you want to try and get someone who is an expert because they've got experience themselves and they are going to be a much more powerful person to have as part of your power team. So where do you find these people? Well, the very best way is through recommendation, through word of mouth. So ask other investors you know, who do they use as their mortgage broker? Or you can go to your local property investor network meeting where there should always be a mortgage broker who you can chat to, get some free advice. And if you like them, obviously they can help you get your mortgages. Now, once you've found a broker, you want to register with them, get set up and get them to check to see if you can get a mortgage or not. I meet a lot of people who want to invest in property, but they don't think they can get a mortgage, but they don't know because they haven't actually checked. So get them to do what's called a decision in principle. So based on your income, based on your credit score, your financial situation, they can find out if you can get a mortgage or not. Now, if you can't get a mortgage, it's not the end of the world because there are many property investing strategies where you don't need to get a mortgage, such as rent to rent or purchase lease options. And these are all great strategies we're going to cover in depth on future episodes of the Property Magic podcast. But it's really useful to know if you can get a mortgage or not. So a good mortgage broker, an independent one, preferably a property investor, that's the first person for your power team. The next person is a conveyancing solicitor. So it's a certain type of lawyer who can actually buy and sell property for you. Um, Ideally, you want someone who is investing themselves, but that's harder to find. And again, ask around property network meetings, ask other investors to get great recommendations of who they use. I've used a number of conveyancing solicitors over the years. Sometimes they're very confident about what they can do. And for the normal transactions, they're fine. But when it comes to more advanced strategies, such as purchase lease options, many solicitors have never heard about them. And so you really do want ones who specialize in the area that you want to pursue. The next thing was obviously estate agents. And there are lots and lots of estate agents out there. Agents have got lots of property for sale. Now, the reality is that many of those properties are not going to be suitable. And we just want to look for the few properties where maybe the seller's a bit more motivated and they're the people we want to work with. Most amateur investors and even some professionals get this completely wrong when approaching estate agents. So in future podcasts, we're actually going to talk about how to work with agents so they can actually bring deals to you. So you've got your mortgage broker, your conveyancing solicitor, your estate agent, and there are two more elements of your power team that are your core power team. The next one is letting agents. Now, for the first eight years of my property investing, I actually managed my own properties. Because, you know, if you only have a few properties, it doesn't really take that much work. And you can absolutely manage a couple of properties very much part-time. However, 
I noticed that as I got more and more properties, I spent more and more time managing them and I had less time to actually go and buy properties. This is what we call the landlord trap. Very often people get into investing because they want to replace their income and they get some properties and they do that. But because they're managing the properties, they then just swap whatever their well-paid job was before for a job of managing properties. And personally, I don't think managing properties is, is the best thing you could do. Now, if you want to do that, no problem at all. But if you won the lottery next week and I asked you to write down all the things you're going to do, I bet managing your properties probably would not be one of the things you would choose to do. The reason that I managed my properties initially was for three very good reasons. First of all, I was trying to replace my income and I didn't really want to pay the agent 10 or 12% to manage properties for me because that was less income I was getting. Secondly, I thought I could do a better job. And unfortunately, many agents are not very good and you probably could do a better job than most agents. And the third reason is I'm a very social person. I like to get to know people. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get to know and connect with all my tenants? Now, by the way, that third reason, the novelty soon wears off. But, you know, I really do think that if you want to get some experience at first and manage a few properties, that's fine. But you should be planning to have someone else manage the properties for you because it really is not a great use of your time. So get a professional company to do, do it for you. And sometimes that's easier said than done. There are a lot of agents out there who are not very good. So another thing you could do is get recommendations. Now make sure they're the right type of agent for your property. You see, most letting agents will only do single let properties. However, there are more and more specialists popping up, such as ones that do houses of multiple occupation, HMOs, or some that do serviced accommodation. So you've got a particular property strategy you're following and you want someone else to manage it for you, get a specialist in that market and the best way to find them is through recommendation. And then the fifth part of your power team that's your immediate power team is you want to get a good builder on board. And that's because most properties you buy, they need some work doing to them. They might just need a, a light cosmetic painting and cleaning the carpets. They might need a new kitchen, new bathroom. And again, a lot of people decide to do that themselves. If you're really handy, you might decide to do the work. However, that's probably not the best use of your time. I think it's better to pay someone to do that and spend your time out there looking for the next deal instead. So how do you find good builders? And, you know, I've used some excellent builders in the past. I've had my fair share of shoddy builders as well. And unfortunately, the building industry is a difficult industry. It's full of people who are not great. And when you find a really good one, often they're so busy, you can't actually get them to come and do the job you want them to do. So a great way of finding good builders in your area is to drive or walk around your local area. And when builders are doing work on a property, they often put a sign outside with their name and contact details. So if you see any signs outside properties for builders, take a photo, keep an eye on that property. And when it looks like that sign comes down and the builders leave because they've finished the job they were doing, go to that property, knock on the door and say, hello, I hope you don't mind. I'm a local property investor. And I noticed you had some builders recently doing some work on the property. And now that they've gone, I just wonder if you would mind sharing with me, what did you think about them? 
You know, did they do a good job? Did they come in on budget? Did they do it on time? Did they clean up after themselves? Some of these questions, and most people will be fairly happy to give you a true account of what actually happened. Um, And this is a way of finding some good builders and then you can contact them and by calling the number on the sign, you know, the picture you took and say, oh, um, I know you were working at so-and-so. I hear you did a great job. Um, I wonder if you can come look at some of my properties for me, please. So, you know, it's a great way of getting a very independent view of what people are like. You can, of course, if you see builders doing a job and just go and knock on the door and say, I'm a local investor, I'm looking for some builders to help me. And very often you'll find builders will show you around and you can kind of see the quality of the work. But the problem is you don't know if they've come on budget, you don't know if if they were on time and all those kind of things. So getting an opinion from the person who actually employed them is a really good strategy. So those are the key members of your power team who you're going to need. There is one other person. You don't need them straight away, but it's really good to get this person in. So it's an additional member, if you like, is you want to get a property accountant. Now, your property accountant is someone who really specializes in property and specifically property tax. You see, most accountants really don't understand property tax. My ex-partner, um, she lived in London for a number of years. She bought a property there and then she actually went out to live overseas and she rented her property out. And when she came back, uh, we actually connected and got together and, and we moved in together uh, up here in Birmingham. And she decided she wasn't going to keep her property, she was going to sell it. And so she had a an accountant um, who was doing her books for her business. And this guy was a former tax inspector for HMRC. So you'd think he should know what he's doing. And um, when she sold a property, he sent back the tax return and said, yeah, I think you need to pay about £4,000 in capital gains tax. Now, capital gains tax is a tax you pay when you you buy a property and you sell it for more money and it's one that is not your home. Now, she lived there for a number of years and I looked at this return and I thought, well, hang on a minute, because she lived there for a number of years, there should be some relief that she gets because of that. So I mentioned this to her and she mentioned to the accountant. And he said, no, 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 the, the tax is definitely right. There's £4,000 to pay. And I said, to her, I'm really sure this isn't right because I've, I've had allowances myself. I've used one. I've sold properties and I've read about this. So I looked it up and uh, she spoke to him and said, this is what it's called, this tax relief. And he said, I've never heard of that. And he went on the HMRC website and he couldn't find any reference to it. So he came and said, your, your, your boyfriend's got to be wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I took a bit of offense to this. So I went and checked my sources again, said, no, no, there's definitely this relief. He needs to check it out. So he spoke to a couple of other people he knows. And he came back and said, ah, actually, Simon's right. Although there's nothing on the HMRC website about this, there is the private landlord letting relief. So he worked it out and turns out she didn't need to pay a single penny of capital gains tax. So this was an accountant. He used to work for HMRC and he was uh, doing her business books, but he knew nothing about property. He was just following the guidelines. And if my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend had listened to him, she would have paid £4,000 extra tax. So it's really important you get a property specialist accountant who really understands about this. And again, go to your local network meeting. It's a great place to meet people and get recommendations. And I want to share with you the best question you can ask when you are networking. And basically, if you're looking for 
a reliable plumber who's going to turn up a time or a solicitor who understands purchase lease options or a really great mortgage. Whatever you're looking for, you can ask this question. So I want you to write this down. And the question is, who do you know who dot dot dot? So who do you know who is a great mortgage broker? Who do you know who is a reliable plumber? Who do you know who is a solicitor who understands options? Whatever it might be. And this is a great way to get recommendations from other people at property network meetings to build your power team. Ask who they use, who do they know, um, and it really will help you. So I recommend you go to your local property investor network meeting. There's 50 all over the United Kingdom. You can go to pinmeeting.co.uk to get a full listing. And if you look at the show notes, there's actually a way, if you've never been to a PIN meeting before, you can come along to your first PIN meeting completely free of charge. Um, It's really valuable to go to network meetings because I believe your net worth is your network. The more people you know in property investing, the more successful you will be. So in the next episode of the Property Magic Podcast, I'm going to talk about how to maximize the return you get from your investing and how to minimize the risks. There are risks associated with property investing, but you can minimize those. And part of that is by following the five golden rules of property investing, which I'm going to share with you. And I'm also going to talk about some of the most common mistakes that people make when investing in property and how you can avoid them. So until next time, remember, as always, invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.